Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, we continue and conclude our two-part interview with the founder and director of American Voters Alliance, Jacqueline Timmer. During the first part of this interview, I asked Mrs. Timmer about the work her organization, the American Voters Alliance, is doing around the United States to try to restore confidence in the integrity and security of our state-by-state elections processes. If you missed that part of the interview, please visit core.buzzsprout.com or search any podcast streaming service for Core Principles and listen to the January 18th episode with Jacqueline Timmer. In this second part of that interview, I asked Mrs. Timmer for some encouragement and advice about how we can win this struggle to restore election integrity. So please stay tuned for her informative and wise answers. First, however, I want to recap for you why this is so vital and so crucial. The Democratic Party leaders in Washington, D.C. are waging war against the foundational principles in the Constitution of the United States, and they know that they can only succeed in their stated goal to fundamentally transform this nation away from those principles of liberty. If you who love liberty are defeated by them. And they also know that their surest path to their victory against you is to render your vote meaningless. That is why they have pulled out all the stops to desperately try to change the way elections are conducted. The Constitution of the United States enumerates certain powers to the federal government, such as taxation, formation of armies and navies, declaring war, coining money, punishing counterfeiting of money, establishing post offices, and a few other specific things. Then, As the ultimate statement of the Constitution as ratified, the Tenth Amendment tells the federal government, you can do nothing else but what this Constitution specifically requires of you. Here's how the founders stated it, quote, The powers, not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people, end quote. Listeners, know this horrific truth. The Democrats in Washington, D.C. hate the Constitution for saying this to them. They resent the fact that they are so limited in scope and power. And if you love liberty, then the Democrats in Washington, D.C., hate and resent you. So, how are they treating you? They want to silence you if you stand up for the principles of liberty. And they would love to curtail your power to vote them out. Therefore, they are 
always trying to change the way elections are conducted to make their incessant cheating possible and unstoppable. I documented on this program at the beginning of December 2020 some of the specific ways the Democrats cheated in the election of November 2020. You can find that episode called Election Continued at core.buzzsprout.com or on podcast streaming services. I will offer a very brief sketch of a few of those things, then I will explain some of what the Democrats are trying to push through with their cynically named Voting Rights Act, H.R. 1, and after that we will get back to the conclusion of the interview with Jacqueline Timmer of the American Voters Alliance. Regarding the 2020 election, recall that in the spring of that year, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi said she would fight against helping those whose businesses had been legally forced to close in the early days of the SARS-CoV-2 outbreak unless the election in the fall would be done entirely by mail. You know instinctively that mail-in ballots are the most highly susceptible to fraud. Having not gotten that change nationwide, the Democrats saw that they lost the presidential election and every single close election for Congress nationwide on the 3rd of November 2020, in spite of their pre-programming in certain precincts. So, late that evening, in coordinated fashion, the Democrat-controlled precincts in several swing states called timeout and said they would not do any more counting until the next morning, and they expelled all the legally required observers from their ballot-counting facilities. Then, as you recall, the Democrats in those precincts did do more counting while the observers were gone, so much so that they changed the outcome of the election in every one of those states. You saw that happen if you watched the election returns on November 2020. You had things like what happened in Wayne County, Michigan. At 3.30 a.m. on 4 November, 61 boxes of unaccountable ballots were dropped off and credited to Joe Biden to completely change the outcome in that state. You had Fulton County, Georgia, at 6.34 a.m. and 50 seconds, add a singularity or a spike of votes for Biden, accounting 107,040 votes all at once for one candidate, completely changed the outcome of Georgia. You had Pennsylvania count 1,994,597 mail-in votes for Joe Biden after Pennsylvania officially documented that they sent out fewer ballots than that and only received a total of 1,462,302 mail-in ballots, of which 594,645 were for President Trump. That means, listeners, according to Pennsylvania's own official reports, Biden got 
857,657 mail-in votes. But after the coordinated timeout, Pennsylvania added on top of that 1,126,900 votes for Biden that, according to Pennsylvania's official records, were never even cast by any voters. That is how President Trump's victory in Pennsylvania of over 700,000 votes was eradicated by blatant fraud. And the Democrats pulled similar tricks in Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, and elsewhere. Is it subversive to point out these violations of election laws? Of course not. And the hypocritical Democrats who try to silence discussion of such fraud are not fooling anyone. They always claim fraud when they lose. Remember Florida 2000? Remember 2016 and the four years of Democrat cries of illegitimacy in that election that followed? Democrats have no integrity, obviously. We who love America want all legitimate votes to count and no illegitimate votes to dilute the legitimate ones. But what could possibly be an illegitimate vote? Well, if a person is not a citizen of the United States, then that person has no legitimate right to vote in the United States elections. Or if a person commits a felony, that person may forfeit certain rights, including the right to vote. That forfeiture may or may not be legally overcome, but that is a state decision. It is certainly not to be ignored without discernment at all. Or a person in a particular precinct could try to vote in other precincts, which would legally obviously be illegitimate. So it is not suppressive to point out that there are and must be rules for voting. But what are the Democrats trying to do with their current voting act for which they are outrageously trying to break all the rules to pass? First, the Democrats are trying to nationalize elections, taking the authority away from the states. That is a direct violation of the founding principles of the Constitution, as I've already demonstrated. Next, they want to eradicate the process of voter registration which has always obviously been a check against fraud. They would eradicate it by forcing it to either be automatic for everyone, even non-citizens, or that it would happen on the same day as one votes. They want to eradicate election day itself by forcing nationwide weeks worth of voting. They want to force states to count ballots cast by voters who voted outside of their assigned precincts. That is obviously for the purpose of cheating. They want to require all states to allow absentee vote by mail even for voters who are not absent. That is just so they can do more ballot harvesting, obviously. They want to require states to accept ballots received up to 10 days after the election is over. Obviously, that is to allow cheaters to add votes needed to change the outcome after the election. They want to prevent election officials from checking the eligibility of voters 
and removing ineligible voters from the rolls. They want to ban any requirements to identify oneself before voting. Listen carefully to what you already know and understand. Anyone who opposes voter ID intends to cheat, period. They want to mandate that states restore all voting rights to all felons. The 14th Amendment already clarified that states have the authority over such decisions. So H.R. 1 is clearly unconstitutional in that regard, among others. They want to further empower the Internal Revenue Service, your friends at the IRS, to deny tax-exempt status to organizations based on anything they deem political in nature. If that does not concern you, consider the fact that everything is considered political in nature to some people. Quote the Holy Bible, for instance. Someone will consider you to be engaging in political activity. Thus, as the Democrats have long wanted, all religious organizations would be vulnerable to lose tax-exempt status under H.R. 1. And they want to immunize their power grab from legal challenges by limiting access to federal courts to any challenges to this bill. Now, we who love America clearly have a daunting task to protect liberty and to protect voting integrity from the leftists who are waging war against it. But let's resume the discussion with the founder of the American Voters Alliance, Jacqueline Timmer, and get some encouragement about how good can triumph. Jacqueline, now I'm going to ask you to give us some good news, if you can. Why should yeah. we... Why should we who care about voting rights and integrity and the Constitution and the right of the state's legislatures to run their own elections, uh, why should we be optimistic that we're going to overcome the the path that we've been seeing? Uh, how are we going to win? Right. Well, I, I honestly believe that this is one of the most hopeful times in human history. And, you know, I think I've been called crazy for believing that, but here's why. And that is because the left's agenda is exposed. They've exposed themselves. We know what they're doing. We know how they're doing it. We know why they're doing it. And now for the first time in a very long time, conservatives are waking up and saying, oh my goodness, I have a responsibility here. Our country was founded with the presupposition that citizens would be aware and involved. And as we've fallen asleep and enjoyed our freedom, the government has become stronger and far more centralized than ever before. But if we exercise our freedoms, it's going to remove that vacuum of centralized power and it's gonna force the government back in place. So that's, that's from the philosophical side. Now on the practical side, we are seeing victories in Pennsylvania and across the nation with this litigation as the investigations are ongoing. The Amistad Project just had a major victory against the Pennsylvania governor, Pennsylvania secretary of state, as well as Dominion. And now they're, they have access to the machines. They're getting the machines. They're the first group to get machines. And we're gonna push to move back to paper. 
So, you know, there's the machine side, there's the mail-in ballot side, there are all these different elements that are, you know, potentially fraudulent, but we are seeing some victories in the courts. We are seeing clarity in our investigations. And on the grassroots side, I'm constantly seeing where the one person has stood up and it changes the course of something. How can people participate, get involved? We want this outcome that integrity exists in our elections. Yeah. So for those that want to get involved, this is going to sound extremely, extremely simple. But the best thing that citizens can do is to work as election workers. Get in, be a seasonal worker. There are a lot of people out of work because of vaccine mandates right now. And that's tragic and unfortunate and a whole nother topic. But there's opportunity to get directly involved in the election process. And that creates natural accountability. And so what a lot of people aren't aware of is that many states have laws around plurality. So there should be a Republican and a Democrat working in the polls together um, for certain activities to take place, whether this is done through the poll watchers or the poll workers. Different states have different regulations around that. But there needs to be plurality in the involvement of this process. And so becoming a local election worker is the number one thing. Number two would be to be a watcher and to just go and observe the activity. We're working on trainings for both and we're also working with coalition partners and other grassroots networks to be able to provide that more extensively. We'll have announcements about that over the next month and a half. So people can follow us and find out that information. But I would just go also and meet your local clerk because one of the biggest misunderstandings right now is that all the clerks are out to get us. Many of the clerks are not bad actors. Some of them are, some of them are nefarious, but most of them are not. They are often of a liberal inclination, they're government workers, but not always. And honestly, if you go and you're friendly with them and you support them and show them that they don't have to be defensive, but you're trying to understand the process, it gets a lot further. And what that does, see, we saw this nonprofit network, and I know um, your viewers might not be able to see this, but I'm essentially folding my hands together and showing where the nonprofit networks intersected with the government. But as we create pressure through grassroots activity, what it does is it creates pressure on that bond and it slowly starts to separate it. And if we can remove the nonprofits from the picture, we really are much, much closer to the original intent of the system. And these other nefarious actors and issues can be picked up or picked off far more easily and efficiently once that connection between the nonprofits and the government systems is broken. So those are some of the simplest things that, that people can do to get involved. Um, educating yourself, lobbying. We are actively working on new policies when it comes to election issues and the conduction of elections in states. And so with that, helping us uh, connecting with your local legislator, expressing your concern, uh, picking up the policies on our website and sharing that with your legislator. Those are some of the, the quickest, easiest ways to get involved. And we are working on groups that will help facilitate those activities. So if you're interested in starting a group or joining a group, we can assist with that as well. That's good. And that website is AmericanVotersAlliance.org. And uh, you can sign up there, register uh, for a free membership that will also uh, keep you apprised of such opportunities nationwide. We are of one accord on our vision for how this should go forward. Do you have hope, you know, more than the rest of us, that the legal process takes a long, long time? 
And it's always election season these days. And of course, this year we have extraordinarily important midterms to to get the Democrats out of the legislature uh, control. Will we succeed in time to have confidence in the 2022 midterm elections? That's honestly a tough question. Of course it is, Jacqueline. This is is core principles. I don't throw softballs. (laughs) I I don't know. Honestly, don't know. I think there's a lot of work to be done, but I think we know the work that needs to be done. And part of where I'm hopeful is I'm starting to see people come together that typically don't play well in the sandbox with each other. And and that's a big deal for the conservative movement. And so if we can maintain that momentum of knowing what our goals are and what we need to do to effectuate that, I think it will not be perfect. I, I absolutely don't think it'll be perfect. A lot of the seats in contention are in California. I live in California and we have print off ballots at home, which is something that they're wanting to do now nationally to mandate that nationally that you have that option. So, I mean, when you have people able to print off ballots at home, inflated voter rolls and drop boxes, there's going to be a problem. Like it's, it's just very insecure. And I'm going to go on a little rabbit trail, come right back, but that Kamala Harris would claim that if we don't pass this election bill, then we are um, doing almost like a disservice to the international community is a complete misunderstanding of election law and our position as a whole, because our election law is currently weaker than many international other nations. I mean, voter ID is considered normal internationally, and yet here it's considered a a racist issue. So, you know, there are a lot of different problems going on with that right now. So will we have things fixed in 2022? I, I really don't believe so. But will we be in a place where we can create strongholds of accountability in order to move in the right direction? I, I do believe that, that that is possible, and we're actively working to make that a reality. Very good. I wasn't aware that Kamala Harris had said that about how we should care what the international community thinks, but uh, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, <laughs> we had a Supreme Court well, justice a few years ago say we should use international law as precedent for our constitutional considerations, so nothing a leftist says surprises me, ever. Before I say thank you and uh, bid you good day, I'm just going to point out that I haven't said anything about that hat you're wearing, but it says ah, it says KU. K-U. Yeah, and, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Yeah, Rock Chalk, because this is, I'm uh, online from Kentucky here, Jacqueline. And oh, uh-oh. We don't, I, you we know, transpose those letters. If I had known that, letters. I might not have agreed to, to we, this. We transpose those letters. But I will say, I salute uh, the Jayhawk basketball program. You guys are the second winningest basketball program <laughs> in the history of the NCAA. So well, congratulations our, our on only that. losing coach in Kansas history was the inventor of the game. So I, I think we're pretty small, pretty solid there. That's that's true. You guys have the longest history, uh, which is why even though you're the second winningest, you're <laughs> you're you're far behind number one in terms of winning uh. percentage. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Kentucky fan, I salute you, Rock Chalk, and uh, I have other uh, Kansas fan friends, so it's okay. Awesome, I, awesome. I don't, All I, right, I, well, I, we're, we, can, we can ally on voter issues. That's true. <laughs> I can be, I, you know, I can be cordial to Kansas fans, and I, I am. Uh, old pastor's wife is a bigger fan than you probably could imagine, and 
we watched uh, Kansas uh, national championship game one time. Oh, she she's a fan. But uh, anyway, well, thank you very much, Jacqueline Timmer, for joining me on Core Principles to talk about this important uh, topic, this vital topic to all Americans. And I'm cheering you on to success because your success impacts all of us. So thank you for what you do. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.